Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. A slew of things from the NCAA Big Sky Conference and Athletic Department levels. And Montana State Head Football Coach Jeff Choate, our ESPN Roundtable. Hi, how are you? A happy Wednesday to all of you. Outstanding to be with you. It is Tutel and Nuanas on your radios across the state on SWX television. Outstanding to be with you. Thank you for letting us hang out wherever you are, whatever you're up to. We appreciate that. If you'd like to call, you can certainly do that. 361-3688, the phone number 361-3688, that phone number. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. And if you'd like to listen live, Wherever you are around the world, or maybe just not in your car, it's easier on your device, your phone, your tablet, whatever, you go to the stream, 1029ESPN.com. You listen live on the stream all the time, thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Let's take a look at what we got in the show today. We have a bunch of territory to cover. In fact, this is going to take a couple of days. Uh, to get through, I think, everything that we have here. But Leon Costello, the athletic director at Montana State, uh, held a Zoom press conference today and just kind of gave, again, it's sort of like the monthly State of the Union almost in terms of there's so such a dynamic landscape across all of college athletics, athletics in general, we under, in, in, the, in the world in general. We understand that. Uh, but for the part of it that we are sort of associated with and trying to pay attention to, uh, certainly it is an ever-changing landscape, as it were. And... Uh, and uh, Leon has been very good, I think, about keeping kind of people updated in the loop about what's going on and the perspective of Montana State, but also thereby of the conference in general, which he's uh, tied into. I think the athletic directors are having biweekly 
uh, conversations and, and Zoom calls and things like that, as well as obviously including folks from the conference, presumably Tom Wistersill and others. And so there's, uh, I thought, a lot of information that came out today in our conversation uh, with uh, with Leon Costello that I think is worth taking a look at and kind of taking item by item because a lot of times conference, you know, press conferences when they're called, there's an agenda that's usually pretty definitive, you know, a thing. It's a, a hiring or a firing or it's a, you know, something's happening. They're breaking ground in some, you know, on some building or something like this. But this is so multifaceted and layered that we're just going to spend some time going through each thing item by item because it affects, you know, both Montana, Montana State, the Big Sky Conference, and even on the national level as well. First of all, hello back to our SWX viewers. Uh, funny story, actually, a, a loyal viewer listener of ours was telling me <laughs> that you know, we we've been, we haven't we've been on SWX and then sometimes not, and it's just kind of been ebbing and flowing with this new studio that we right. have and everything. But we haven't been for the last little while, but a week or so, maybe a little bit more than a week. And so I didn't think we were on TV yesterday, and then I got a text, "Hallelujah, you guys are on the screen," and. <laughs> Then I was like motioning to you, like, yeah. so I'm sure it looked pretty funny when I was like, oh, yeah. So I, I mean, we, in fact, did not know that we were on television well, until we did. I don't know about and, the we. Well, you did. I just kept it a secret. Well, thanks. Because I was thanks. hoping you might go just tank top and board shorts for well, me. Y- you're a TV star. I, uh, I'm i just right. a writer that somehow gets to participate in a radio show. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, but I also, I have to say that we'll play the ESPN Roundtable with Jeff Choate with you in the next hour. Mm-hmm. But Choate, he makes a comment in there. He he says one of the ways he truly defines leadership is through transparency. And he talks about how he's transparent with his players. And that's so refreshing because so often guys don't know what to expect from their head coach. There's an intimidation factor. There's a separation factor there. But I have to say I'm really appreciative of Montana State in general being so transparent and so informative during this time. I mean, Leon Costello, has he's the one that's making these Zoom invites and then getting out to the media and, and letting us know. And I really appreciate it. You know, we've reached out to people in similar leader, leadership positions at Montana. And uh, we've obviously had Bobby Hauk and Travis Takir on the show. That's been awesome. But not much from Kent Haslam with the exception of the Lady Grizz scandal. And I just really appreciate Leon because I think it is really important for everybody to be informed because I think the worst part about everything we've gone through collectively for the last 10 weeks has been misinformation, lack of information, confusing information, not enough information. We're all just uncertain. And I think the fact that Leon is easing some of those anxieties, particularly when it comes to something that we all really love, college athletics, it's been awesome. And so I appreciate him for doing that for sure. And uh, what I thought came out the last two days, I thought by and large was tenuous news, I would say for the landscape of college athletics, but good news for the people in Montana. Right. I think the autonomy will benefit places like Montana with pretty low infection rates when it comes to the pandemic, well, as well as free people. Let, so. Let's let's set this up for people. Let's just get into it. And as Coulter mentioned, by the way, just to finish off, we will have uh, our ESPN roundtable today on the net, top of the hour, uh, extended interview with Jeff Choate. So we appreciate him very much for that. And yes, it is a wing it Wednesday. So we will do some trivia in the next hour, get you some wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern as well. But when you say, you know, what's come out the last couple of days, two days ago, I think it was, we're about 48 hours removed from the Big Sky Conference announcement 
announcing that they would be basically giving institutional autonomy to each member school when it came to what their process is going to be and whether they will or what kind of athletics they will be involved in uh uh you know school by school and again i think it 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 makes sense like generally the conference is there to sort of be the banner under which there's some uniformity for all the schools that's the point of being there and everybody understands kind of they they set the rules and they and you it's a structure within which all the member institutions participate in a scenario like this especially in the big sky conference that has the largest geographic footprint of any conference in the nation and covers the gamut from very rural like cedar city rural to uber urban if i may say and sacramento and portland and so and and eight different states and so there is just such a disparate level of what would be safe in one place is not going to be safe in another place what's acceptable here would not necessarily be there and so i think it has to be uh you know divvied up in a more uh, uh nuanced and uh um you know, spaced out sort of way that which they have done with the Big Sky Conference. But also then yesterday, the NCAA effectively came out and did the same thing at a national level. Mike, Mark Emmert, the uh, commissioner of uh, the NCAA, the head of the NCAA, uh, by way of Montana State, by the way, uh, said, you know, they are not going to demand uniform return to NCAA athletics they're essentially leaving it up to the conferences who are then, in the case of the Big Sky, leaving it up to the schools. So this is getting very individualized very quickly, and that's going to create a lot of hurdles, probably some problems, uh, I think a, a necessity of flexibility for all these schools, but also I do think it's the best way to get the most number of schools possible to participate as quickly as possible. Uh, But it's going to be a very odd thing because what happens when six universities in the Big Sky Conference are ready to go and seven are not, or whatever it might be, and how Mm -hmm. many do you need in order to do something like play football, which, by the way, football... We're going to talk a lot about football for two reasons. It's the biggest sport in terms of the, 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 the fan bases and all that kind of stuff. It's also next... It's the first. It's the it's the it's next up sure. to be ready to go, and so that is you know that's kind of where we're at. So anyway, go ahead and flesh that out for folks too, Coulter. Well, and and I think that this is the way that it has to go, especially when you're talking about st- so many state institutions that are involved yeah. in college athletics, because at the end of the day, this is going to come down to the university presidents who are state employees, and oftentimes then they're. Not directly, but they're in association with the governors, and a lot of times the governors of each individual state are going to be the final say when it comes to all this stuff. So right now, we're seeing some pretty stringent regulations in California, in Oregon. Washington is talking about mandatory testing for everyone, and it's going to be a required quarantine if you don't get the mandatory test. And that's a whole lot different than the world we live in right now. We're almost moving into phase two of reopening Montana. And so I think you have to have that autonomy mm-hmm. for because say there's going to be no group gatherings in the Northeast for a, a long time. Okay, well then, but maybe the Patriot League or the American East or whatever might be, whatever league some of those schools might play in, maybe they can figure out a way to have a condensed season, cancel the non-conference, start a little later, and just play conference opponents if and when it is safe to do so. If you don't leave it up to the end. At first I thought... When the Big Sky came out with this initially and said they were going to leave it up to each individual school, I thought, man, that's a cop out. They're not they're not leading 
the group like they should. But then I got to thinking about it. I thought, no, it's not, because you can't, especially in the big sky, mm-hmm. with the, the diversity of it all. But President Mark Emmert, NCAA President Mark Emmert, yesterday, uh, he said, normally there's an agreed-upon start date for every sport every season, but under these circumstances now, that's all been derailed by the pandemic. It won't be the conferences that can do that either. It will be the local and state health officials, first and foremost, that say whether or not you can open and play football with fans or not. We already saw the Oregon governor offering her views on what likely to happen in September. The Pac-12 can say, gee, we'd like to open up this date, but whether or not you can is going to ultimately depend upon the state and local health officials, and the campus itself making a decision whether or not they want to go forward. We saw yesterday the Cal State system. So there's 23 schools in the Cal State system. They said no on-campus classes in the fall. That's impactful because then all of a sudden now you have Cal Poly and Sacramento State not in the big sky. So I think the decisions that were made yesterday are tenuous on the national level of college football. And we're going to get into the – in my mind, I think there's three tiers of the way that people fit into – that schools fit into uh, this dilemma right now. And I actually think that Montana Montana State are in one of the better tiers right now. But uh, I thought tenuous on the national level, but really good for the state of Montana, what we heard yeah. the last couple of days. Let's hear from Leon Costello uh, about that institutional autonomy and the opportunity that, that – Montana State, University of Montana, and the rest have of sort of governing themselves as it pertains to, in this case, athletics, is what he said. Well, I can tell you that, uh, you know, I've said it before, I I work in a conference where all the ADs and it seems like the coaching groups and things get along so well. And when, when that happens and you have situations such as this, you can sit down at the table and we can have very good discussions and we don't have to agree on on everything, but we can come out of our meetings forward. And, you know, this is one thing I can say that we really kind of all agreed on is that we know that because our conference is so large and it covers such a large amount of, uh, of land in the United States, eight different states, we have to be somewhat flexible. Look at the, the total picture of, you know, just take division one athletics. I don't think you can hinder you know, 90% of the schools, if 10% can't do some of the things that the 90% can do, right? And so I think that's kind of the same approach the the conference took is that, hey, if your state is allowing you to get back to some normal activities, who is the, you know, why would the big sky stop us, you know, from from doing that? And so, uh, you know, I applaud uh, one, the leadership of the big sky to be able to um, allow us to do it, but also applaud the individual institutions to say, yeah, I mean, because if we're in a situation where we could let some of our students and student athletes back on campus, we would want to do that as well. Um, you know, in these times, you see some of the governments doing it as well. Each government, each state is making decisions on their own is the best for each state. And I think that's uh, kind of a good practice for individual institutions within those states to be able to do that as well. So. Uh, I applaud them for the flexibility and, and for us to be able to kind of work through this uh, together as a league. I think it says a lot about our league. I really do. I think it says a lot about the big sky um, and how we hope to put plans into place to come out of this. So there you go. Leon Castillo is clearly happy about this. It sounds like the group was generally happy about this when you talk about the athletic directors around the big sky conference. And I think it's the right thing in general uh, as well. I think it's absolutely the right decision. The question then becomes, and this is where I do think that the Big Sky Conference is going to have to take, uh, you know, and and make some mandates about a few things uh, in this regard, is scheduling and, and participation. How many teams do you need to have 
in order to play, quote-unquote, play a Big Sky Conference schedule where there's going to be a a conference champion and actually a regular season in, in the sport of football if we talk about just football here for a moment. And I asked Leon that that very question in essence, and he said, look, we understand that that we need to figure that out, but we haven't gotten to that point yet. So, you know, you kind of you got to do things 1 through 74 before you get to 75 through 90. So I understand that, but that is to me – you know, a major consideration. One of the other benefits, though, to me of the Big Sky Conference has been the thing that everybody has universally hated about it, and it is the uh, unbelievably uh, uh, imbalanced schedule in right. football. The number of teams, thirteen of them, that are in the in the conference playing football, you're only you're you're missing out on five teams every single year at least in in your regular season schedule. Well, guess what? This year. If there's five, you you could have up to five teams that couldn't go, and you could still all play conceivably a full Big Sky Conference schedule and never have a repeat, never have you know an, an, an AI team or a D three team that you got to bring in for an open date or something like that. There's not a lot of conferences that have that sort of flexibility in a scenario like this, and so again, I think the Big Sky is positioned positively in that respect to 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 kind of pull that off if there's schools or states that are just going no we can't do it yet playing for championships playing for trophies and banners i mean it's it's one of the things that sports is all about certainly but i will i haven't talked to football coaches both head coaches and assistants on and off the record they've all expressed that while it would be unfortunate to not get to chase a big sky title to not get to chase an fcs playoff berth they would be much more unfortunate to have the young men in their program put in all the work that they put in and then not get any not chance to perform. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like Bobby Daly, Montana State linebackers coach, was telling me, he's like, I, I just want my guys to be able to play. Like, I got guys I want to see play. I got guys I've been working with that I'm really excited to see play. I just want my guys to be able to play. And so I think just getting back to that, I mean, this will be as well across the board. I mean, there's going to be a crazy – year or two of history when we're analyzing programs and legacies when it comes to individual players and teams because of this but I think that there's also a lot of stuff that could that could change too I mean maybe they do just play a 10 game schedule to make sure that the the economic benefits of that happens for the schools in the Montana and the schools in the big sky and then maybe some of these guys get even if they play get a season of eligibility back so that because it wasn't a conference championship type right. chase. We'll see. But I do think that playing games is still, to me, not only because of just the joy of college football season, but also just the economic impact it has on small towns like Missoula and Bozeman. I think playing games of any sort is of paramount importance for both Montana and Montana State. Yeah, and and that's the thing. We've talked about the economics of this through the lens of, well, of both of both the, the, the cities, but mostly, I think, through the universities. But the reality is, even if there's not fans in the stadiums, right. football existing in a, in a way that you can watch it on, on TV or whatever is still an economic boon for the cities of Missoula and, and, and Bozeman. And that I was sort of talking tongue-in-cheek when we were talking about having a, like an all-Montana round-robin, but not really. Because even if Montana State, say say there was somehow Montana State goes to Montana Tech to play a game. Of course, I mean, the Bobcats finish as number four team in the FCS. Of course, they would just destroy Montana Tech. But there's an event in Butte that thousands of people would go to. And if you can't have thousands of people in the stands, there'd be thousands of people engaged in it. And that just ben- it benefits the economy in every single way, whether it's just going to the store to get a 
six-pack and a pound of burger that you wouldn't have otherwise gotten because a couple buddies are coming over to watch it on a stream or actually going to the game. I mean, every little piece of, of economic stimulus, we just have to have the events in towns like in Montana because that's that's the whole thing. It's like you're saying, just the existence of a football game means every business in the city of Missoula or Bozeman will make a couple extra dollars just because something's happening. The the one thing that, and again, I've already said I think this is the right way to go when you talk about allowing each university, each institution to sort of govern itself within the context of its own city, its own state. They also, though, have opened up the possibility that there are X number of schools over here that are going to play a full or close to full football schedule and X number of universities over here that aren't playing football at all. And whereas they could do something like extend an additional year of eligibility and scholarships and all that when all of spring sports were canceled, I don't think you can do that. First of all, I don't think you could probably do that during football and basketball anyway, but you certainly can't do it where some get it and some don't get it. Mm-hmm. And it would be it would be it would be very sad, very sad, because you would just have hundreds of kids f- comprising all of these football teams that just just lose Lo- lose right. out on on an entire season of right. football and everything. And if they're a senior, that's it. That's all. I'm sorry, and uh, that that's uh, that is that would be to me the the biggest negative in the way that this is developing. And that's where I wa- the one thing I do think the NCAA needs to figure out is, especially when it comes to the FCS, is the playoffs. They need to, if if college football is going to happen in certain areas or there are certain places where there can be a full schedule played. If it's not going to happen in other areas, they need to determine that right away to see who's going to go to the playoffs because. The entire thing is going to be completely structured differently. And I just think that they, even if – I think it would be smart to not have the playoffs this year because you don't have everybody in the FCS fo- probably going to be able to fully compete for a spot. Could, could you could you just do like a, a, an 8 or 12 team deal? I mean, here's the thing. You could, but all I'm saying is like think of the, the map of the FCS, right? There's a really good chance that the teams that are in the rural northern Rocky Mountain areas, the Midwest, North Coast State – those teams are probably going to be able to play most, if not all, of their games. I think that's a, I think it's it's a better than average chance. Yeah. But then look at the Colonial Athletic Association, from Philadelphia down to Richmond. Sure. It's pretty unlikely that they're going to be having huge gatherings at Villanova. You know. Well, and I guess that's the point because if we get to a point where at the end of the season, like the teams that are playing, presumably, are the teams that could host and still participate, where the other ones couldn't. And yeah, there would be a major asterisk if you know if if. James Madison is not involved in a playoff. Like I, I right. Everybody, I think, would recognize. Like, hey, it'd be like having this the, is what it is. It'd be like having the college football playoff with the SEC not available. I'm not saying the CAA is the no, SEC, no, but but you know what I'm saying. It's it would be totally. like not having the Big Ten available. Right. I mean, the CAA is is, in my opinion, the third best. third best conference right. yeah. in the in the country. Right, and and it, it certainly would be like that. But also. I mean, does that then mean, hey, well, we shouldn't do this thing at all True. at some level? I, I don't know. Uh, it's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We got plenty more to get to. We're going to talk about some scheduling stuff because that's also been a point of uh, of consideration as many things uh, are around uh, around the country, around the conference. So we'll get to all that right after this. 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio.
At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Scheduling. Some teams can play, some teams can't. Schedule's already built five years in advance, four years in advance in football. What about basketball? How does this work? Well, maybe we can shed a little light on it. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hi, how are you? Great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope you are having a fantastic day. We appreciate each and every one of you out there in the world uh, for uh, being with us, letting us be with you at Gus Tutel on Twitter at 1029 ESPN and at Skyline Sports MT as well. Uh, what, once again, uh, Colt, let's go back to the uh, press conference uh, that we had today, Zoom conference as it was uh, with the athletic director of Montana State, Leon Costello. And he was asked a question regarding scheduling. How do you do it? What does it look like? I, there's a lot of steps, it seems like, to, before you get there, but how, how is this sort of thing going to come together? I thought his answer was interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in conjunction with, uh, with the Big Sky to see what – what are some of the changes that are going to take place within the conference first? You know, really the conference is kind of our, our foundation. And so when we look at uh, whether it's a basketball or volleyball schedule and you saw some of the changes that we made with volleyball, what does that conference schedule look like? And then what can we adjust then on the front side, which is the non-conference schedule? And a lot of what we are looking at with the with the Big Sky is where, where are some of those areas in which we can still – give the student athlete a, a great conference experience, still eventually find a way to get to a conference champion and, and get that automatic birth into the NCAA tournament, if that's kind of where we are um, with sports in general. And then it comes down to then institutions being able to make those decisions based on you know budget. What, what can we do? What adjustments do we need to make to travel? Um, maybe we need to reduce some of the non-conference games. I think those are all things that we are looking at that um, I wouldn't necessarily say we have the answers to right now. But like with everybody else, everything is really kind of on the on the table right now. But I think once the conference um, schedule like for volleyball is set, which which it is now, now we can start working on what that means for, for everything else. What's that mean for preseason uh, practice? What's that mean for non-conference games? And then what, you know, what's that kind of mean for in-season and post-season? All those things are intertwined. They they could be thought about in separate kind of segments, but they're all intertwined based on on budget and and kind of health and safety of the student-athletes. So a couple things coming out of that. First of all, the fact that the conference schedule is really the thing that they are going to start with and try and set the table and do everything else around that. Certainly some financial considerations are going to be made uh, as far as it goes, but there's a lot of things that once the schedule is set, that's when everything else starts to kind of come together. So actually, the schedule isn't, even though it's maybe the last thing that happens, okay, we finally got to this date and we play this game, 
that's one one of the things you need to try and know as far in advance as you can. So the planning, the preparations, the travel, the hotels, the you know the food, logistics, all that kind of stuff can be can be done. You know, I guess with as much lead time as is possible, and so that makes sense. I think the more schools, the the earlier that schools are able to say, you know, yeah, we're in, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna participate in the football season, or we're out and we're not gonna participate. Um, you know, obviously, the better as far as that goes. But the other thing that I think that this highlights to me, Coulter, is what I have believed for a long time, but. It seems like it's so, it's oftentimes so obstinate. But like teams have lost games before, you know, where all of a sudden one, you know, a school pulls out and says, you know, we're not, we're not playing this game anymore, you know, whether it's a pay game or what, whatever the situation might be. And all of a sudden now there's a hole in the schedule and you got to go try and find a game to fill. And usually it happens, but it feels like, man, this is a big problem. Like, how are we going to get this thing done? And that's where it's going to get so muddy, too, because when there isn't actually a, an overarching controlling body, if the Pac-12, let's say, moves from a 12-game to a 10-game schedule and you have to cut two non-conference games, what games are likely going to get cut? Pay. Oregon versus North Dakota State. Yeah, right. Montana State at Utah. Those are the games that are going to get cut. So then, but then that's a domino. How does that impact North Dakota State and Montana State are okay still because it's nice to have the six hundred fifty thousand dollars paycheck. Portland State's not okay. Portland State's not okay, right. right? But then also, if Oregon cuts its two of its non-conference games, but then can't start playing until October, then how? But then Utah is ready to roll from day one. How do you manage that? And then do you let Utah play more non-conference games than Oregon if the league decides that's where, where they're going to go? It gets really confusing. Well, within it does, and, and there's there's going look, there's going to be inequity this season. Okay, if 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 the inequity is only in well, this team played eleven games and this play, team played eight. You know, I mean that's going to happen. It seems it to me. It is the thing though that I that I like about this is that it is forcing presidents but also athletic directors and coaches to obtain a level of flexibility that heretofore they never had and they never wanted to have the the idea that well we don't know if the sacramento state date that we have on november 6th is actually going to be real if we can actually do that thing well hey you know, maybe Southern Utah, who wasn't on our schedule, we can call them up in three weeks ahead of the time. We can fill that date with a conference game that we will now play somewhere, somehow. And you know what? It is possible. The It's, of course, ideal to have your schedule set three, four, five years in advance. Know what you're going to do. Have the whole season planned out and you can prepare. So I get all the reasons why you would want to do. But it's not necessity the way that I, I feel like a lot of institutions have have said if if this thing isn't set in stone two years in advance we're not doing it right why why does that have to be the case right. and this is showing well it doesn't have to be the case and i think there's a there's a ch- real chance too we always talk about this we're hardcore sports fans most of the people that are listening to us right now on the radio and watching us right now on television are hardcore sports fans yes Sometimes hardcore sports fans look at the world of sports and the world in general through their own eyes, just like we all do. I mean, sometimes you get tunnel vision and you think everybody's kind of just like you. At the end of the day, Washington Grizzly Stadium and Bobcat Stadium, they both sell out often, but they sell out for teams that people know. 
there's 18 to 20,000 people in Missoula or, you know, that are Grizz followers that'll go to every game. Doesn't matter who they're playing. But to get that extra 6,000, you need Idaho. Mm -hmm. Ironically, they didn't actually even sell out the Idaho game. We thought they were going to last year, but you know what I'm saying. Totally. Like a team like Long Island University who's coming to Bozeman for the opener. It's the gold rush, so they'll sell it out. But if that was just a Saturday afternoon game, it would be close to a sellout because the weather would be nice or whatever. But you know what I'm saying? To get over the top, yeah. to get more than... You when know, Bryant shows up, people are like, I didn't even know there was Right, anything. and that's what's kind of ironic about this is if you're play, if you restructuring your schedule to play based on availability, essentially, now all of a sudden the schedule becomes awesome. Because how many people would love to see Montana and Montana State play Wyoming? Mm-hmm. How many people would love to see Montana and Montana State play Utah State? You know, th- right. those like when it's right. a state school that is in the region, people it just it, they come out for that. I mean, the big, the most attended Grizz game last year was Idaho State because everybody knows exactly what Idaho State is. They know where it's at. They've been in the league with Montana since 1963. It's Montana ties too, and, and obviously there was huge Montana sure. ties with Rob Fantasy. But uh, what I'm saying is. If, if this comes down to availability and then becomes comes down to regionality, it could be a precursor then to the restructuring of what I think this whole thing should be. I, I mean, I've well, we're going to get into this next segment, too, about the, the way that this is kind of revealing both, like you're saying, some of the good parts about how big the league is, but also some of the unnecessary parts, too. Yeah. And this could just be like a tease toward what could be a better version of, of Intermountain West college football. The... Uh the announcement, which was also, I believe, yesterday, maybe the day before, it's to tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, from the, uh, what, what is it, the dean, the czar of the Cal State system, whatever it is, that they're not going to be having in-person classes in the fall, which has major implications for, uh, uh, you know, for sports in the fall for that, for that group of 24 schools, which includes several Division One football teams, San Diego State. Uh, uh, San Jose State, I believe, is in that. But um, a couple of Mountain West teams that are in there. Here's one thing that I, that I like what you said right there, Coulter, is, is if if a handful of Big Sky Conference teams are out, presumably a handful at least of other teams from other conferences are going to be out. And now all of a sudden, maybe Air Force does need to play a team. You know, maybe Wyoming has, has you know, uh, uh like you said, a spot on on their calendar where they're like, "Hey, who's the closest team to us?" It's probably Montana State. Maybe well, it's actually Northern Colorado. Maybe it's Northern Colorado that comes sure. to town. Sure, right? whatever it might be. But you could all of a sudden now now it's not truly a conference schedule or whatever. But it's great football. It would be awesome to watch it to see mm-hmm, it happen, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you would get to see a lot of matchups. Like everybody, everybody. But I think a lot of teams at the FCS level, the top end of the Big Sky Conference, you know, love. To see where they stack up with some of the better mid-range Mountain Mountain West teams, right? Well, maybe this is a season where you get not just an opportunity. You know, once every two years you might play a Utah State, but maybe you play two or three Mountain West teams in a year right. and really get the feel for what that's like, for what those programs are, for what right. how your program stacks totally. up within that. And that could be maybe it could be you know. Maybe it couldn't. Maybe it goes the way you don't want it to go, or maybe it's a feather in your cap. I don't know, but it'd be it'd be must watch, right? It seems to me for for at least all of these fans. Does Wyoming care that it's Northern Colorado? Maybe not as much. I bet they would care if it was Montana or Montana State coming to bit, town, though, sure. right? So, yeah. you know, silver linings, people. That's what we're looking for. Uh, and two two points here too. 
we're talking all about football. Obviously, I mean, that's the cash cow. That's the, the driving it's force. Next. It's, it's, ne- next it's next. But also, Leon made, Leon Castello, Montana State Athletic Director, he made a couple of comments there, too, about some of the other sports, too. And I think one thing that's maybe getting, being glossed over is we're so focused on large gatherings of people. That's certainly a concern and one of the biggest concerns. And when you talk about the largest gatherings of people in the state of Montana are at football games. Sure. So that makes sense. But the other thing is, just traveling to and from certain areas. And so when you're bringing hundreds of people for a football game, you know, from Portland State, for example, yes. that's risky. But then you, the one thing we're not talking about is the other sports, though, too. Because everybody's right now sort of on the fence on college football. The decisions that the Big Sky made in terms of other fall sports was pretty indicative that they're probably going to happen. Right? I mean, didn't if you're, or at least that they're optimistic that they are. If you're redoing the schedules to cater to that sure but yeah. that, it's, it's still it's still they're pe- preparing it seems like with the expectation that games will be played it's yes. still people traveling though and that that's going to be a, a part that gets a little bit sticky because you just never know when people are coming to and from you know it, it matters how you travel too. 100 you know, i mean travis decure when he was on on the show with us says you know we we have done a lot of things that people don't even know that we've done in the interest of our players, not just now during in, in this situation, but but in other instances as well, where we've we paid put some money out there, whatever it is, made some resources available to protect our student athletes. And he goes, if that means that we're getting on a bus and driving instead of flying somewhere, so that we know that that they're safe, that this is in their best interest, then then we're prepared to do that. And I think you know. Do you want to go walking through an airport and get on a commercial flight and go someplace? No, probably you don't. And by the way, it may not even be feasible to do it. But you can rent a beach liner or whatever it is and have that thing fully, you know, sprayed down, swathed down, ready to go. And B, I think pretty darn safe traveling, you know, however you want to travel. may not be comfortable, may be internal. You know, it may, you know, and that might not even be feasible. Is is Northern Arizona going to drive on a bus to Missoula? I mean, ouch! Right. I don't know, <laughs> right but 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 it it creates. I, I just think that there are ways where it can be done, it within some constraints certainly sure. that, that that make it that make the travel bit of it feasible, at least for teams. And, and last point, we're also we're focusing on football, but if this, I, I shouldn't say if I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a win. There's still concerns and challenges when we enter basketball season, right? This could actually be so awesome for the Montana schools and Eastern Washington and Weber State because what's the hardest thing Travis DeCure and get Danny Sprinkle can't get has? Games. You can't get games in Missoula and Bozeman. Home, right, yeah. I mean, Brian Fish swung this home, home, and home with Wyoming when he first got to Montana State, and it came with the 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 clause that they had to play a couple times, once or twice, at least once, maybe twice in Billings. But then they also played in Bozeman and Laramie. But even just having a Wyoming in Brick Breed and Fieldhouse was awesome. And that was when Larry Dance was playing yeah, for, yeah. Larry Nance Jr. Yeah. But we have hardly seen any of those kind of games over the last 10 years. I mean, Travis DeCure, he almost beat Boise State in his very first home game as the head coach of the Grizz. And they haven't had a, that caliber of a regional opponent in Missoula mm-hmm. since then. But where does everybody want and is able to travel to in regards to that's what I'm this, saying. Yes. If, you, if if you now we might see home and homes where, you know, I mean Gonzaga's way too. That's a, that's a long shot. That's 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 not feasible. But even just getting you know a home and home with Utah State, a home and home with Wyoming, a home and home with the Air Force Academy, 
maybe it happens. We'll and, see. And the thing is, is 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 that could happen right away because the team that they that the opponent of Montana or Montana State had on their schedule is in. A, maybe they're not going to UCLA now to play right. basketball. Right. So hey, right. what what are we going to do here? Okay, well let's go roll the dice. No Missoula doubt. And, and you wonder if maybe there's a, a switch of some games, too. I mean, right now, I think Bob, Bobcat basketball is slated to open up in mid-November at UNLV. What's going to be the status of Vegas? I mean, it's been one of the most shut-down cities in the world. And so maybe that actually, ironically, makes it more safe. But maybe it opens back up, and then it, it just goes gangbusters. We yeah. have a giant outbreak there. So then but what if, what if then there was some sort of con- contractual flexibility where they say, hey, We'll get you later. You come to Vegas later, but let's play this thing at Brick Breeden Fieldhouse. I don't know. I just think, like you're saying, though, so many of this comes down to logistics, but also g- getting over the hurdle of some of these preconceived ways of doing things. Yeah. But when it comes to this, if yeah, I think if decision makers are flexible, it could be so beneficial to everybody. Because in, in the old world, <laughs> as we would call it, <laughs> UNLV would never say, hey, you know, we can't play this game in Vegas. Let's play it in Bozeman. They'd just say, we're not playing it. Sure. But maybe now they say, well, maybe we'll come to Bozeman right. to have a game. We'll see. But I, I think that if I'm a college basketball coach, like Travis Dekir, when he was on with us the other week, he was saying, you know, I'm blowing up the phones trying to talk to everybody, and anybody that will talk to me on the phone, we're hashing out all the options here because I think there's an opportunity, especially because Montana Montana State draw so well too. So, that, I mean, why wouldn't you want to come play here if it is a unique circumstance? So we'll see how it all plays out. But college basketball could also have a silver lining benefit as well. If I had a dollar for every time the phrase what if or the word if was used, I would be a very wealthy man. <laughs> this is where we're at right now. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Take a quick break. We'll finish up the first hour with a question about finances at a conference level. The MAC making huge cuts to the games that are going to be played in the future for the next several years in the MAC due to financial concerns. Montana, uh, the Big Sky Conference has already started some of that. We asked Leon Costello about that. He answered, we'll give you that. And also, top of the hour, again, ESPN Roundtable with the head coach of the Montana State football team, Jeff Choate. All of that coming up next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Coulter, uh, we we had a chance to talk uh, again with Leon Costello, did a, a Zoom conference with many members of the media, but one of the questions that was asked was just regarding the finances of the conference. The MAC, I, I was stunned by this yesterday when the MAC came out. Eight different non-revenue sports will not have a postseason, a conference postseason for the next four years because of financial concerns, they've also reduced the number of teams going to the MAC basketball tournament for uh, is it for perhaps four years or for a couple of years, anyways, from twelve, which was all of the institutions, to eight. Okay, 
that is that is a uh, particularly in the instance of the, the sports. I think it was like lacrosse and swimming and track and field and so forth. To not have a post a conference postseason is a, a, a major loss. I mean, in the water. I mean, that's what you're building towards to have that. And they go, sorry, we don't have the dollars already to do that, and we haven't even gotten into whether there are even going to be football losses associated or wherever might that might be. Now, when you talk about pay games, uh-huh. if if Western Michigan goes to play at Michigan State, they get paid. Right. How much of that goes to the MAC as opposed to Western Michigan University, right. the school? I don't know. It might be 100% to the school. I think there is probably some sort of split there, but the MAC is probably one of the smallest of the group of five conferences, the mid major conferences, if you want to call it like that. And one of the most dependent on. The big money games because of their regional location, right? Mac team, like I would, I, I, I haven't confirmed this by looking through all the schedules, but I would be willing to bet that almost every, if not every, Mac team plays a Big Ten team at least every couple years, if not every year, for sure. And they're right there. I mean, this is in-state stuff, in-state you know, for stuff, these schools. Right. Uh, you know, Miami of Ohio and Ohio, Ohio and Ohio. Maybe you know, maybe not Ohio State per se, but they're they're all over. They're, they overlap. You know, right, you know, in in terms of where they're at. So you do get a lot of that stuff. But the question then, of course, is like, what's the financial big uh, standing of the Big Sky Conference? And are there going to be repercussions as there already have been adjustments to schedules forthcoming? Here's what Leon Castillo had to say to that. I mean, you saw the the announcement that was made uh, late last week with, you know, with some adjustments that we made. Uh, or I guess it would have been Monday, I think it was. Some adjustments that were made to some of our uh, schedules like volleyball and some of the other sports. We saw that the uh, uh, the fall in-person media days for, you know, for football is going to be virtual. Um, we're, that was kind of the first wave. You know, we're looking at uh, other sports as well. Um, you know, th- there definitely will be more adjustments that will, that will come. Um, but I think we're taking it kind of season by season and year by year. As far as those go, we know this is going to be an unprecedented year. We know um, there are going to be some, you know, financial hardships across the board. And again, I go back to that's why I'm so glad that we can sit down at the table and discuss, you know, what this looks like as a conference because it's going to affect every single institution. I think there are certain things that we can do from a conference perspective, but I also think we're going to have to be able to do things at an individual institution perspective as well because we're all different, right? We're all we all generate different amounts of revenue. We all get different uh, funding from uh, you know, whether the state or, or the universities, however, however all the different schools are funded. So I think it's globally, we need to look at it from a conference perspective, but then we're gonna probably need to take that next step too and look at it at an individual institution perspective and what that means for the financial picture of each athletic department. So I, yes, I, there are definitely going to be more things coming from a, from a conference perspective. Um, what those are, you know, we're obviously discussions are ongoing, uh, but I, I'm positive that there are going to be some sort of adjustments that will hopefully help us financially this year. So there you go. Certainly some adjustments, a.k.a. games not being played or, or seasons that have been shortened at, in some way. We talked about this yesterday, Coulter. The uh, softball is only going to have four teams in their postseason as opposed to six. Uh, there's been a shortening of the number of regular season and conference games in uh, uh, soccer, in uh, volleyball. So those those things have already happened at some level. But 
having a couple of things change within the course of a season, especially a season that, or you know, a, call it a fiscal year that's going to be very tight for a lot of athletic departments because of what's happened, and saying, hey, guess what? In 2025, we're not playing a postseason in Sport X. That is, I mean that that is big. I mean that's a that's a huge loss over a long period of time and for the Mac to have already come out and said that first of all calls into question to me a little bit of the you know the the, the management of what's going on in 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 the mid-american conference in general but also uh is concerning for other conferences and other sports that are contingent sports financially speaking that are the non-revenue sports that that you know still have uh, participants and scholarships and seasons and, 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 and championships. And this got me thinking about since 2012, when Doug Fullerton was the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, he, he expanded the Big Sky and basically absorbed the Great West under the premise of the prediction that there would be a fracturing of college football where the Power Five would completely separate mm. from everybody else. And his prediction was that they wanted to fortify the league with as many regional teams as possible to try to then lure or to, to try to maybe remake the Big Sky or put a lot of the traditional flagship Big Sky schools in a position then to maybe either have a couple other teams join that league or move together to join another league with regional places like this is when Idaho was still FBS. So he, he always mentioned Idaho. Well, now they're back. That's one part of the prediction that has come true. A lot of the other stuff hasn't come true yet, particularly because the Mountain West has become such a viable non-Power 5 league. Right. His thought was, you know, if, we, if you could ever get – Wyoming and, and Utah State in the same league as Montana, Montana State, and North Dakota State, South Dakota State, that'd be a pretty darn fun league. Now, because of the FBS football and all the fundraising and you know the, the great fan bases that both Utah State and Wyoming have, seems like a pipe dream now because they're so far ahead of Montana and Montana State in a lot of different ways. But that was just the thought. And I've thought about then the fracturing of college football in that instance for a long time. And it's one thing that you and I have discussed and argued about what is the point of being Toledo? What is the point of being Akron? Because you're just stuck in this weird purgatory where you might have some great games and play you know, some fun opponents, but at the end of the day, you're in no way competing for neither a national championship or most likely even that prestigious of a bowl game. And so what is it all about besides just being part of the food chain that is college football? That's tough. And so then I got to thinking about how right now, the three solutions that schools with football need to make or that they need to find solutions for. It's all about money, right? But the Power Five, the solution is pretty darn simple. If you can't play games in front of people, you can still play games because you make so much money off of TV. Okay, so if we're playing games in front of empty stadiums, we're taking hits from the ticket sales, but we can figure out a way to make that up via public donation, private fundraising, whatever, but we're still going to make a substantial amount of money being on TV. Okay, problem solved. Ish. Uh, ish. Yeah. Ish, but it's not going to be this catastrophe, right? Montana, Montana State, schools in the big sky, schools out west, they need money from the gate. they got to figure out money for the gate. And we're about to play the ESPN Roundtable with Jeff Choate next hour. He said, people have been asking him, what can you do to help? He said, just buy your season tickets. Buy your season tickets, and if it ends up that you can't go to the game, I hope you love us enough to just say, okay, we're going to eat the cost. That's my donation to Bobcat Football. So then they still have that much money on the books. And even if they're paying, playing for pay-per-view, okay, it's a little bit more of a cut-and-dry solution. Conferences like the MAC, they need money games. 
but they also need the gate, but they also need the TV money, and the TV money is not enough to outweigh the other stuff. The gate is not enough to outweigh the other stuff. And the pay games, if those go away, that'll hurt them. How do you come up? How do you solve the solution? So I think it's just another aspect, another avenue to why those schools are just kind of stuck in the middle. And I think the Power Five is obviously in the best position in terms of mitigating revenue loss. Yeah. But I think that schools like Montana and Montana State are in a better position than well, schools like Miami of Ohio or Toledo or Akron. And the idea here is this: there, those schools in 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 the the non Power Five FBS conferences are have much larger revenue streams and sources than do FCS schools. But the point is, because they have larger streams, they have larger streams to lose. Montana, Montana State, they don't rely on a TV contract in order to make their budget each year. So if there isn't a a television contract so much in place, or they're not playing on Tuesday nights now in Maction because the World Series is happening in November or whatever it is, that that doesn't hurt them per se. Yes, they need to find a way to get tickets sold, people in the stadiums, and that's going to be a significant loss. But again, the loss of losing, I don't know, 10,000 people at a game compared to 30,000 people at a game is still, you know, it's it's more easily overcome even though you're a smaller you know school with less less you know revenue that you're turning over in general and i think there's there's some truth to that it's to tell nuanas 1029 espn radio we spent a lot of time on this maybe too much time on this no way no no, no this is fascinating because this is this is about well this this is <laughs> about everything i mean this is about everything that's it's about the right and wrong with college That's football, right. and it's also about all the money aspects of it, and it's also about the situation that our world is going through. I think it's it's actually a really fascinating topic. Well, it is, and there's a bunch of and there's a bunch of more topics that we're going to get to in the next couple of days throughout the rest of this week, and so we'll maybe try and spread it out a little bit. But it is it is interesting and intriguing, and I think it does open questions to the future of a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, what would a what would a combined Mountain West Big Sky Conference deal look like? Does that make any sense? I'm not saying that it does, but it's it's a, it's a question that maybe all of a sudden when you see some matchups, you go, oh, well, maybe it's more feasible than I thought. Maybe you say it's less feasible than I, th- I thought. I don't know. But maybe you get at least a little bit of evidence to sort of support one conjecture or another. It's t- yes, go ahead. I, I, just think, right. I was just laughing to myself because it's just so funny, the disparities in the leagues. If you had a Mountain West Big Sky crossover, the top half of the Mountain West would most certainly dominate the most of the Big Sky, all of the Big Sky, to be mm-hmm. frank. But it would just be so funny to watch San Jose State go two and nine against a Big Sky oh. schedule. I mean, like Montana State, no Montana question. would just crush San Jose State. It's two tell Nuanas, one of two nine ESPN Radio. Hour one in the books. Hour two straight ahead. The roundtable this week. The head coach of the Montana State Bobcast, Jeff Choate, next. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 